This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,535, recorded June 7th, 2000. All right, to begin with, I'm going to say, how y'all feeling? <laughs> See, and you're supposed to holler back, quote, all right. No more than's called for. <laughs> good, good. Got some things I wrote down that I wanted to talk about that I thought I would read first. But even before I do that, there's another example today. It's nothing really new, but there's a continually revitalized interest in this matter but it shows since I had been of late presenting a model distinguishing between feeling and thinking and specifically how thinking has but one mother one father and that's feeling and another example of how far removed humanity is from ever perceiving that fact I guess we could say consciously acknowledging the fact. Because again, uh, they believe it's due to the kinds of new, the kinds of progress they're making now in cognitive neuroscience. But the headline, the phrase, the topic I heard under discussion today was based upon some new scientific findings from people with good credentials, from good universities, extensive studies with good statistical underpinnings that said a positive mental attitude can certainly encourage speedy recovery from illness. And then they went on, whoever was responsible for it, the man or the team, they said that although there had been conventional wisdom for many, many years, wherein people believed that those who had an optimistic outlook did not get sick as much, that that's been an idea that's been around for hundreds of years, and that even there's some anecdotal evidence amongst physicians themselves that after surgery, for instance, that those that patients who appear to have a cheery, a positive and uplifting mental attitude, recover from surgery much quicker, are able to leave the hospital much faster. But now, the point is, they have done enough work, according to this man today, that without any doubt, it's beyond anecdotal. That there is no doubt, based upon their study, that a person's mental attitude has a direct bearing on their health. But in this case, they were specifically investigating, and he had come and felt that they had adequate evidence to prove that an optimistic mental attitude aids in a person's recovery from illness. An idiot and moron that I am, I sit by my radio, and I turn my little head and I cut my ear, and I wait. Yes? There is no yes. There is no follow-up. That was a period. It was not a comma. That is, no one. The mind of man. And you know I'm not about to attack anyone. I'm pointing out the difficulty. I'm picking, pointing out the trickiness of our situation. After the, If we accept their evidence, and they state that as a fact, then no one points out, once they have accepted the fact, as many people have long before these surveys, that an optimistic mental attitude will assist one in, re in maintaining good health or recovery in recovering from illness, then no one notices, no one makes note of the fact that the state of your health determines your mental attitude. For those of you on tape, now I cock my head and cut my ear here to this crowd waiting for somebody to go, my God, now I realize, now I see what's going on. No. It's tricky. And that's me speaking in my charitable, understated manner. I will read what I wrote before I talk about it. 
If there is such a condition as being totally, perfectly, and permanently awake and enlightened, and you are not presently therein, then from my view, you should be relentlessly engaged in a running struggle to stay somewhere just out of reach of your everyday condition. You should be forever seeking your own increasingly simplified model of what's going on until you reach a stage of directly seeing same for yourself. And in light of this, here is my new model for your consideration. Life is as it is. The human mind attempts to describe how life is. Then the mind tries to analyze its own descriptions of how life is. And men call this being intelligent. While I call it being disconnected from life as it is. Note, however, that this disconnection is mental and can only be physical as an indirect consequence of the mental disconnection. Thus is man a part of two separate realities, physical reality and a mental reality, wherein he attempts to describe and analyze the physical one. And in a valid attempt to mentally describe this situation, we could say of these two different realities that the physical one is real, and comparably speaking, the mental one is unreal. Comparably speaking, for when your mind is under the sway of the mental reality, it is at that moment as real to you as any other reality. And yet, that mental reality is not really there. Not in the same sense as is the physical environment in which we all subsist all of the time. The undeniably obvious, the undeniably obvious simply stated is, at any moment, when your consciousness of reality is based primarily on your sense of mental reality, then mental reality is your primary sense of reality, and not the actual physical reality in which you actually live. A simple salient fact, but one of which men, few men take consistent note. Look again at consciousness. What is consciousness but another facility by which the human organism processes information about its physical environment? And what is the sleeping, distracted, confused, and deluded consciousness complained of by the few other than this naturally helpful facility operating at less than optimum capacity? Consciousness is intended to be consciousness of surroundings, operating almost as a sixth sense, or if you prefer, as a central processing center for the other five senses. But when nothing of consequence is going on in your surroundings, this central processor lapses into talking to itself, reviewing files of previously collected information, just a general state of chaotic daydreaming. And again, I note, when your consciousness is so taken up by this mental reality, that is your immediate reality, as unreal as it may objectively be. Consider, all of the conditions that frighten, annoy, and bewilder you exist only through thoughts. Such conditions are not composed of actual conditions, and thus they cannot actually harm you. Only sour your life needlessly as you, confusing, as you confuse them for real reality. The few have described the states of consciousness with, with which they find fault as being deluded. But exactly what does that signify? It means that your instant sense of reality is being primarily dictated by your thoughts and mental descriptions of life. Whereas being enlightened is having your sense of reality composed of whatever is happening around you. Physical reality is an enlightened man's reality. Thought-based, a deluded man's. From this model then, the whole wanting to awaken thing comes down to a simple choice. You either let reality affect you, or else your thoughts about it do so. Those who believe enlightenment to be about anything other than this still have no workable idea as to what it really is about. While I make use of such terms as, quote, the thoughts that run through you, it could be profitable now to picture it in terms of, quote, the thoughts you stir up in you, so that you do not seem to be trapped in a scenario in which you are a passive or helpless victim. From such a perspective, you would then abandon the struggle to stop or suppress the thoughts that automatically arise within you and would be charged instead with the responsibility of you not stirring up thought. Even a robot, totally programmed, who seeks enlightenment, could benefit from this approach. Don't think of yourself as a kind of hapless, 
passive victim upon whom mechanical thought can simply have its way. Think of yourself rather as one of the one with the obvious ability to not excite your mind and not stir up thoughts in the first place. Don't excite the mind, don't stir up thoughts. What else is there? Consider, if you were a robot who had been programmed to believe otherwise and the reality of the situation was described to you, what would you, what could you do in regard thereto? If you were a robot, you were programmed to believe that you weren't. Everybody with me? And somebody told you about it. What would or could you then do about it? Just a thought. Even if no one actually has the power to be responsible for their life, you certainly can never achieve our goal without some sort of meaningful attempt otherwise. Although it is necessary for each person to realize clearly for themselves the truth of and distinction between real physical reality and unreal thought-based reality, you must eventually swallow and digest the matter and move on. And a monk asked a sage, does enlightenment bring happiness? And the sage replied, I do not know. And the monk asked, does enlightenment bring wisdom? And the sage replied, I do not know. And the monk asked, does enlightenment fulfill all of your dreams? And the sage replied, I do not know. And after a moment of reflection, the monk asked, then does enlightenment bring relief? And the sage broke into a broad grin and with a dramatic gesture, wiped imaginary sweat from his brow and exclaimed, well, finally, a question with an answer. The universe, reality, is wide open and right out there in plain sight for everyone to see. Where is there that anything can be hidden from us? How can there be something unknown in the midst of all that is obvious? Where is there for something unreal to exist? And how can the truth about things be hidden and kept from us? Everything that a man says that he wants to know and which he cannot locate is sitting right behind his descriptions of the things that he says he wants to know. Ask yourself, what is the purpose in allowing unreal thought-based reality to overrun your consciousness and cause the mystic state of sleep and confusion when you can stop it by choice and live consciously in the real reality of your physical surroundings? But you do anyway, just not consciously. Being of ordinary, unsatisfying consciousness is to be forever trying to figure out the reason that things happen like they do. Always wondering about the purpose of life, which are the basis, bases of all distraction, confusion, uncertainty, frustration, and ignorance. Only those who give over their minds to the false reality of thought are blind to the reason that life is as it is. And only they foolishly are perplexed as to its purpose. The reality of the universe cannot hide from itself. Nor can it hide anything within it from itself. Thus neither can you. Everything is right out there in the open. Right out in plain sight. It's only your thinking about it that keeps it hidden. Wipe the imaginary sweat dramatically from your brow. Grin broadly and realize to yourself, phew, finally something that I can do something about. And a concluding fact. Not only is what's going on simpler than you may now presently imagine, it is simpler than you can imagine. Phew. I tried my best not to add that last one. I was going to save it for another lifetime. But I couldn't resist. Everything about finding yourself, trying to realize what's going on. Well, see, I got carried away if you didn't know it's in the last page and a half. 
it's just still amusing. At one time it was not amusing because I, <clears throat> I was victim of it. But to glance through books, to glance back over my memory of books, and the worldwide historical view, and the continuing view amongst 99% of the mystics who make up less than 1% of the people on the planet, people interested in this kind of stuff, that their view is that they're seeking for something hidden, that there is something lacking in their knowledge, there is something that they do not know about. There's just some little something. Of course, you've got to be free from that kind of thought-based reality to do this. But again, sometimes it hits me so clearly that I can't resist bringing up again. Instead of reality, which people can stretch around, I truthfully think of it as the universe. Because no matter what kind of subjective personal interpretation a person might have at the moment when they say reality, we know that everyone argues over that, especially if they get involved with thinking of not matters such as we talk about. The one person's reality is another person's imagination. It's another person's daydreams. But you can't argue about the universe if you're just walking around sane. We all know what it means. You just look up at the sky, and then if you have any reading experience, you have a kind of a numbing knowledge, a brain-numbing knowledge, that at best calculation, those that specialize, are figuring that the universe, even though they don't know how to explain it, even though it seems to be without boundaries, it's at least 16 billion light years across. To look out at this thing, now that's what I mean when I say reality, but to look out at the universe, imagine that you had the ability, which you do mentally, that you're standing in one particular spot and you can just look out and see to the far ends of the universe. At least you've seen photographs, paintings, Artists' renditions. You just look out there and ask yourself, not arguing about what is reality and what is not reality, what is objective. Look out the universe and tell me, where is, can anything be hidden? Does anybody get it? You can't, of course, thought-based reality can jump in. Your own person's sleeping mind can jump in and say, well, there could be some kind of great truth hiding behind Pluto. I started to say I can't imagine somebody being that stupid, but yeah, I can. <laughs> so I was talking to an ordinary crowd. I'm sure somebody would say, wait a minute. The truth could be hiding. Of course, they might try to be a bit more sophisticated than Pluto. They might go, it's over behind the Cirrus constellation. That dog area seems to have captured many <laughs> of the Illuminati crackpots. I'm sorry, of many, of many would-be mystics. But does anybody get it? I don't know how. To me, it's just as clear as hell. And I, and I know it's not really. I know it's not literally. But I can picture that all the ideas, and I used to be victim of it, as well as anybody. So I'm not laughing at anybody. But to look out and imagine that something could be hidden. Because you've got to be in an ordinary state of mind. Your sense of reality has to be thought-based. And that, therefore, you do feel that there's a difference between you and the environment. You're the kind of person that goes, yes, a positive attitude can affect your health. And? They go, and what? Such people, if you believe there's a difference between you and your surroundings, between you and life, between you and your environment, then... Uh, whether you see the connection, you can believe that something can be hidden. But if you can get past that, the idea is truly, it's ludicrous on a level that the most intelligent of ordinary minds can't see. The universe is just, it's just out there. You don't see planets sneaking around, hiding behind each other. Well, I can't go into it. I can probably get another chuckle out of you. But if you, if you can get loose from the mind, if you've had enough of even small-time Satori experiences to rely on, surely if you just try and ponder why I'm saying you look at the universe, it's just not possible. It's ridiculous that something could be hidden, some truth, or that there's a mystery. 
I want to know where the mystery is. Now, scientists, men believe they're mysteries, but what are the mysteries? It's not the mysteries out there. It's the mysteries of them trying to calculate what's going on. That's mental reality. That's the descriptions of reality. I opened tonight by a group of four statements, I believe it was, separated the first three by semicolons, for those of you taking notes. I notice no one's taking notes. It says, life is as it is. The human mind attempts to describe how life is. That's the first stage. Then, the mind attempts to analyze its descriptions of how life is. Now, when you reach that stage, that is what passes for intelligence amongst ordinary men. It truly does. But they don't realize what they're doing. They're analyzing descriptions. And there is no doubt when it reaches areas wherein it might have some substantial benefit to our survival, again, I point out that thinking abstractly in that way about the physical world can be of use and it can be beneficial. It can save you from all sorts of physical trial and errors or trials and errors by being able to abstractly picture how something might work, do it on paper, do it in your mind, without having to go through the physical attempt. But that's not what I'm talking about, is it? No. I repeat, life is as it is. That is, you look at the universe, and if your head was cleared out, if you was just in a small condition, one of those small states of Satori, and you got up on a tall, tall mountain, took a step ladder, got up on top of the ladder, and then stood on your toes, don't lose your balance. And you get up as high as you can, and you peer out at the universe. Preferably, I know it won't work, but at high noon on a real dark night where you can see, you know, as far as you can, all the stars and all, with benefit of the sunlight, but I know that gets tricky. But then you look out, and it will hit you, this reality, that life is as it is. And if you're not given to being that magnanimous of view, walk out in the street in downtown Manhattan or Bombay, Jakarta, Buenos Aires, walk out there in the middle of a traffic island and just watch it all go by, and it's the same thing. Life is as it is. Semicolon. The human mind then attempts to describe it. See, now where it becomes unprofitable, where it is not profitable, where it does not have to do with survival, is the descriptions that men have of other men's activities. And then they attempt to analyze that, and after that you've got all sorts of useless hobbies, mental hobbies such as religion, philosophy, and uh, most everything that anybody's ever thought about. It only produces confusion from the view if you ever wake up a little, if you ever see what's going on. Then you realize that all such analyzations of descriptions of what life is only results in uncertainty, confusion, annoyance, sometimes belligerence between people. It simply does not come to any good end. It does not produce understanding in people. It should be obvious. never has. The few such as us who get involved with this and do not choke on their, choke on a critical attitude toward life, but seem somehow to undertake to change their own view of it, to believe there must be something that I don't understand that makes me believe that things are so amuck. There must be something I don't know. There's obviously something other people don't know is your first view. Or else they would not be so idiotic. People would not act in such unprofitable, self-defeating ways. They would not be destroying one another. They would not be endangering the health of us all and on and on and on. So there's something lacking. And, of course, religion pops in with its solution or its answer to what's lacking. Philosophy does. Science indirectly does. But at any rate. We all know that it has led to, if you've got any sort of objective eye, we all know that with the thousands, several thousand years of experience, it has led to no success. Things are no less confusing to the human mind, no less uncertain, 
than they ever were. So, if you approach anything resembling my definition of a real mystic, you get past worrying about other people not understanding something correctly. Other people being some way severely crippled in their attitude or their view of life, but that they're not going to change. And so the only thing that you might be able to do is for you to discover the secret and then see what happens. Maybe then you can wake them up, or at least you'll see what happens. But you believe that there is something hidden from you, that for things to be this confused, human life, to be this confused, this dangerous, this annoying, this threatening, then there must be something that humans do not know. There must be a mistake going on that we've made that we don't see, or there must be something that we should be doing that we haven't realized. Now back to my question. How can you look out at life, look out at either downtown Mala or get out and look at the universe? How can you look at the universe and say, that there's something hidden. I guess I've done all that for that one verbally I can. I just can't understand. I can't believe that some of you, if you won't just run that over, if you won't work on that, it'll crack open your head a little bit. It, you'll finally hit you what I mean. God, I wish I could describe it. Ha! Wish I could describe it. See, I almost stepped into it. I do. Just between us. I've thought about it a lot. I've had potential stories and allegories jump in my head. In fact, I've used some in years past. But they're not even as good as the head-on approach. It's to say, I don't know how you can look out at the universe and believe that there's something hidden somewhere. The idea that man's deluded is perhaps the oldest or one of the oldest descriptions that people like us have used in the past trying to describe the state of being asleep, being unenlightened, is that you're deluded, that you do not understand correctly what's going on. I ask you again, how can you look out at the universe and believe that you can be deluded? How is it possible to be deluded? Does anybody get it at all? Does it, for years... If this helps to me, it was like I'd get a whiff of a, an aroma, and I'd get around this. And I'd just get it for a second, and it was gone. But it drove me crazy, because I knew, I knew what the source of the smell was. But I knew... Well, the idea that we could be deluded, at first it sounds absolutely true. I mean, it sounds beyond question. It strikes the mind... That it were to someone say that that is not possible to be deluded, that they would be the most deluded of the deluded, that they would in fact would not have their normal senses about them. And that is ridiculous. If you can just look out, I still say look out the universe, and to think I or someone else can be deluded about what. I wish I could do it better. Deluded about what? But then anyone's mind can answer. Bill and me to say, well, some people are deluded because they think that uh, two religions can't exist side by side. People think that their God's the only God. They think their political system, people are deluded thinking the world owes them a living. They'll take what you, they'll go on and on and on. How is that being deluded? Well, at any rate, when I would get around, that kind of smell would pass through. It would also get me the one I've been trying on you. It always comes back to, who am I? What is self? What is this that's thinking that I'm getting a whiff of something and I know what it is? What is it that's making me think that? What is it in me that made me get up and go to the bathroom right now? Or go get a cup of coffee, perhaps it's better. Because it's easier to identify self as a bladder than as some <laughs> psychological template or some spiritual personality. What was it that made me go up and get a cup of coffee then? Right then. My diversion of it is this. 
I finally came up with a way to put it to you with my final written comment that not only is what's going on simpler than you may think it is, it is simpler than you can think it is. It's simpler than it's possible to think it is. Because if you get to the point to realize how simple what's going on is, you're not thinking about what's going on anymore anyway. You are what is known as big town or big time awake. Even though I said I was going to stop, I still want to lapse back in to say, go out, at least in your mind. You don't actually have to go out. But go out in your mind and look up at the universe. That you know that for all intents and purposes, it is just endless. The kind of thing that most people's minds don't even want to deal with. But just, and you can take it all in. I can. So if I can, because you're just picturing it. Just all around you, everywhere. And then be aware that under everyday, ordinary conditions, even Buddha, under ordinary conditions, when he is dealing with thought-based reality, the world is nothing but a ball of confusion. It's just one thing after another, things going across purposes, people acting in ways that are just inexplicable. You do things that later you can't justify. It seems as though the whole thing is about to come apart. You know that sometimes you feel like you're about to come apart by God. <sighs> if I just knew the secret, if somebody would just explained things, a few things. That's one of the problems, explaining a few things. Or put in the real correct form, as I tried to point out recently. The problem where you get stuck is believing that you do understand something when it really gets bad is not just believing that you understand something but believing that you understand probably the lion's share I knew someday I'd finally give in to the common usage of that term <laughs> the majority of what's going on and that there's only a few things or maybe just one thing left you don't understand. For someone like you, for someone like us, that's even worse. It wasn't so bad when you started and halfway up till now, let's say, and you thought, well, I understand a few things. Now that I'm involved with this and I've thought about it and read and listened to you, I understand more than I did. I know much more. I understand more than anybody around me, more than ordinary people, that's obvious. But there's a lot I don't. Okay. That's all right. But you should be reaching this stage in life. If I say you have, watch it because your inclination will be, yeah, you're right. Even if you never thought about it. But you should be at this place now that if you did think about it, or if I ask you to think about it, your thing would be that I understand probably the majority of what's to be understood. I understand a lot more than just some. I understand a hell of a lot. There's no doubt. Sometimes I feel like I understand right up to the edge of everything. But there's obviously something. Maybe something or maybe a couple of somethings that I yet to understand to lock this whole thing up. Now, understanding some is okay. But understanding a lot, believing there's only one or two little things you don't understand... Uh, you need to get away from that. That'll kill you. Because you'll stay right there. And it, because it's not true. See, if you could realize that back when you only thought you understood, your guess was, let's say half of it, somewhere along the way. If somebody could have slapped you out of it then, it wouldn't have been so bad. But when you get to the point that you feel like, well, I, I, I understand I all right, what I, what I understand now compared to what I understood 20 years ago, there is no comparison. I look back and it almost makes me chuckle. I'm ashamed that I thought <laughs> that I understood what being asleep or being awake was and understood what life was about. But based upon my understanding now, I look back at that understanding and it's really embarrassing. That is dangerous. Everybody gets there. But I have of late, I'm trying to get you 
to get off that spot. That is dangerous. Well, better put, it's captivating. Because once you have accepted that, that's where most people stay. That's where most of the so-called enlightened people in life that's left records, I can see it, that's where they stayed. Because you don't understand a little bit. Oh, you don't understand a lot, I mean. And there's not just a little bit that you don't understand. You don't understand anything. Nobody does. You analyze descriptions that other people that don't understand anything have made. But then, if you really, of course, get deep into it, you analyze someone else's analyzations of some previous person's descriptions of what life's about. But I say, again, just look up at the universe, and there it is. Or walk out, Piccadilly Circus. There it is. Up until you're about to say, yeah, but, well, and now it's not there. The physical reality is there, still there. The universe is still there. Piccadilly Circus is still there. The Chasson. Everything's still there until you go, I always wanted to come to London. God, the British are so neat. You're no longer in London. You're not. And of course, we all know that's ridiculous. But you're not. You're, in London. you're asleep in London. You're in thoughts of London. But as I said, everyone still physically is living an awakened life. Because you're physically still in London. But you're disconnected from life as it is. That's all being asleep is. That's every mystic's complaint. Is that they have, through thought, which affects everyone, afflicts everyone, through thought you have been disconnected with life as it is. But for reasons that over the long haul are beneficial. That everything taken into consideration, as though life needed me to point this out, but everything taken into consideration, the mind is a great benefit. Consciousness. Because we can, well, to put in a description, which is just my description, which doesn't mean ant shit, but consciousness, the mind, does one thing with, for us that no other creature enjoys, it can take in not only all of the sensual information coming in, which up to that point, other creatures can match us doing that, more or less, but none of them seem to have the five senses with all of them up on an average level as ours, but that's not even the point. But at any rate, we can only take in that kind of information simultaneously, but we can also call upon abstract memory as we're processing what's coming in and make more profitable judgments as to what to do with the information coming in. That is what consciousness does. That, without any doubt, is a valid description of its purpose. But if it's not doing that, what does it do? It harms the first two bars of stairway to heaven until it almost drives me out of my fucking mind. And then I get so mad, I trip and fall down and hurt myself. Then I'm madder than ever. And then I realize, what the hell, I'm supposed to be awake. Now I'm mad triple. And yet life is as it is. What I was saying... Life is so simple that it's not possible to imagine how simple. Anybody can talk about it, even those who understand some, because throughout the years, we have, enough, again, we have thousands of years of mystical written history of men who obviously <clears throat> had some experience and understood something would continue to insist that things are much simpler. Uh, there's a multitude 
of anecdotes, Sufi stories, Zen tales, wherein the sages, the awakened, the enlightened ones, responded in ways that apparently the attempt was to at least verbally slap other people into the reality of how simple things are, and you're just mucking it up needlessly by your questions. Are you coming to me and going, I have been studying here and there, and I used to think such and such, and I was a member of such and such school, and finally my last teacher told me that an awakened mind is like a, a tree after a storm. What is your interpretation of that, O oh wise one? The wise one would say, you have a brain like shit on a stick, and I should slap you, get away. Uh -huh. And those who later would analyze the story say, well, his attempt was, well, sometimes they would put the words in the sage's mouth. He would say, well, you're to, I should slap you. But what you should do is slap yourself because what you're looking for is as simple as the nose on your face. You're like a man searching for fire, carrying around a flashlight. So they take the comments, they take this absurd behavior as their attempt, their interpretation is. As I said, sometimes they will even put words in the sage's mouth. Suppose he'll say, the whole matter is so simple, why have you, you know, mucked it up? Which is easy if, you know, put in somebody's mouth or put in a story. Because if the sage in the story understood that, for him to go, why do you muck it up? Hell, it took him a lifetime to get it unmucked for himself. But still... We'll assume, as, as they say, his heart was in the right place, and he's trying to save you the time of it. I just don't know how to save you the time. I don't know a magic pill to give you, except I am telling you, it is simpler, not than you may imagine now, that you may think at times, or that I may say it is, and you may believe you get a glimpse and go, yeah, yeah, no, 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 don't go, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going, yeah, 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 trust me, you don't know how simple it is. It's not possible for anybody to think how simple it is. You can't imagine how simple it is. You can't. Because if you could, you wouldn't be imagining. You would be there. So you can't imagine how simple it is. Because if you did that, if you could access, if I could say, all right, if you can imagine, if you said, I got a great imagination. And I say, okay. I say you can't imagine how simple it is. And you go, oh, you don't know. And I go, all right. Here it is. I give you my word. If you can't imagine, if you can really keep pushing, if you can imagine and get to the point that you can imagine truthfully, in a genuine way, that you can actually imagine, you get to the point that, and now you see, that you imagine how simple it is, if you reach that point, your head will explode. You'll be awake. Or, I say, you simply realize what's going on. You, everybody knows how life is. But the interference, being asleep, being deluded and all that stuff, is having thought other people's descriptions and now your analyzations of their descriptions stand between you mentally and life as it is. Now, if you're an ordinary person, nothing physically stands between you and life as it is. Or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have lived this long. But ordinary people and mystics have nothing staying between them physically and reality. That is what's going on. There are little anomalies pop up when you do trip, when you do forget your keys, and things much worse. But generally speaking, over 70 years, nothing, if you live 70 years, then nothing substantially stands between you. And physically what's going on. Being asleep is simply a few people realizing what's true with everybody. And that is mentally, there's a lot staying between you and how life is. That's the whole point. From one view, it was like an indirect, of, to me, like a side effect of the mind. Once it's done its job, acting when it's profitable to us for physical survival purposes, once it has done its job of being able to abstractly describe life to itself, to others, be able to put it into equations, 
When it's not doing that, then the side effect is that it simply separates you. It disconnects you from your direct physical connection to what's going on. That's daydreaming. That's imagination. It's only by doing that that Goethe could write whatever the hell he wrote, assuming he actually wrote anything. It's the only way that Aristotle could. It's the only way that whoever made up religion, Christianity made it up. It's the only way that Abraham thought, I'm sick of making these damn idols. I'll invent. See, what do I call it? Were it not for the mind being disconnected to physical reality, we would have none of the so-called soft sciences. We would have none of the arts, no religion. And plus, people like us wouldn't be asleep. Well, we might be asleep, but we wouldn't know it. We wouldn't have a name for it. The subject would have never arisen. You know how you know you're asleep? I don't guess anybody needs to know it, but... I always, when I'm getting to sleep, I always like to rub it in to me. It's a long story. I won't. But any time that you're, that you're working on a problem, and it's not a problem that has to do with physical reality, you realize if you've got a problem, I guess I've already blown it verbally, you're not going to get it. But do you realize if you have a problem, you're asleep? That should be astounding, even though you oh yeah, I knew that. If you have a problem, now we're not talking about a physical problem, but of course being asleep makes the physical problem worse. As they imagine it does, the ordinary people. But at any rate, if, if it's not physical and you have a problem, the only problem you have is that you don't know what the hell is going on. Life is as it is, and if you have a problem, then you have, you're removed at least two steps from life as it is. You're dealing with your analyzation of descriptions. Of course, if you were really, I guess, down in the ditches and maybe a little bit less than ordinarily asleep, you might be dealing with descriptions. But normally, I want you to understand the hierarchy that I, because some of you ought to find this useful. It ought to make you realize a few other things. The first off, life is as it is. That should be the opening words of all holy books. Not, there's a Bible open. Not, doesn't it have some great, I used to know how things, how the, how's the Koran open? I thought they all had great things like fanfares of the pit band at the Rockefeller Center. Ta-da! You know, a Wagner fanfare. But the opening should be to all religions, to all mystical systems, the opening to everybody's thinking should be this. Well, let's leave it to you people. Here's Life is as it is. That's really all anybody needs to know. If there's any kind of verbalized information that's of any use, anything beyond that is superfluous. Life is as it is. That's the only statement that you can say that's not incorrect. Right. Life is as it is. Then, and this is inescapable. The human mind, yours and everyone else's, man's mind, the human mind, then attempts to describe life. But remember, it does it for very valid reasons, for helpful reasons, under the conditions as we have covered before. The second part is, life is as is, the human mind attempts to describe life. Nothing wrong with it. Then minds try to analyze the descriptions of life. You realize we're two stages removed from life as it is. We've gone from that to attempts to describe life. Then after that, you, people analyze the descriptions they've heard of life. Not just left it there, but you can go on uh, ad infinitum. That's the progress in the social sciences. That's the, that's the progress in everything. Leaving out hard science, I guess. But that is all progress. It's just new analyzations of previous analyzations, of previous analyzations, of descriptions of life.
It is only when you're in that that you can have a problem. Life as it is, again, excluding physical problems, which death's going to get you. But excluding that, you're dealing with analyzations of analyzations of descriptions of life. That's all. That's the only way to have a problem. Is that is you have to have allowed. I didn't get into this tonight. I was been wanting to bring this up rather than all my descriptions of allowing thoughts and. I'll go ahead and throw it in here at the end since I already read it. You have chosen to stir up your mind into such meaningless activity rather than not stirring up the mind, not exciting the mind, and simply dealing with with life as it is. But you're dealing with it that way any damn way. Well, what's your choice? That's why I always like, there's another one. There's people always accusing one another, you won't face reality. You're living, you're, you're living in a dream world, people will tell another person. You're not living in reality. And I keep waiting for them, just accidentally walk up on a hillside and look out the universe and think, how can I say that? What are you living in then? Well, they're not living in reality, but they don't know what they're saying. They don't realize it. In that sense, no one's living in reality, except everyone's living in reality. You have no choice but to live in real reality. I know it's silly, but physical reality. And I say that was what the mind was originally from my model, this model. That that was the mind's original purpose was to be conscious of, to monitor the senses as they monitor your surroundings. That reality, physical reality. The mind was not meant to monitor itself. Just think initially, it didn't have a self. It couldn't have. I don't know how long that lasted. It's not important whether it was a second, 10,000 years. But all but its job, the only useful job that anybody can see for it, other than the entertainment of the arts and et cetera, but the only really useful job you can see to it is that it monitors, it is conscious of your surroundings. It is like a super sense, a super sixth sense, or, as I said, like a central processor of all the other senses. But if you look at it that way, you have to see it for yourself. You can't just take my description as being the fact. But from one quite genuine view, consciousness can be seen that its whole purpose is to be conscious of your surroundings, not of you. What's the purpose? Because first time I ever thought that, it woke me up, and I had to be fairly awake to even think that. What's the point of being conscious if it's not to be conscious of surroundings? What would be the point of being conscious of yourself? And I thought, well, shit, it's a fine time to think about this. I've been you know, struggling to be conscious of myself now for that time, or it was, 37 years. And I went, you know, why did I just think of that? Hey, it was a slow decade. <laughs> This <laughs> is damn near a slow life. I at any rate. It, you can see it. To me, that was a kind of shock. I can't believe that some of you wouldn't benefit from this. Um, if it doesn't hit you, just mull it over. Consciousness, the purpose of consciousness, the purpose of the mind is to be conscious of your surroundings. If you, if you think about it a second, I don't see how you can argue with it. That's the purpose. What we call being asleep, what bothers mystics, is when consciousness is being employed otherwise. That's what being asleep is. That's what being distracted. That's what being deluded is. That's what causes problems. I should even say that. That's what makes you think you have problems. It's the cause of frustration, uncertainty, ignorance. I never could get a rise out of audiences, general crowds, when I would talk about what would cause a person to be frustrated and annoyed and ignorant. And I kept waiting for somebody, you know, in a helpful manner, <laughs> as they would call it later after, you know, the speech come up and shake my hand, tell me how to enjoy it, maybe take me aside and say, 
Because I always imagined, it was one of the things I always imagined is the reason I did it happening, and it never happened. Which all my good things never happen, as I told you. You know, like, it never comes out that there's no such thing as terminal illness, as I said. But anyway, every time I would say, and of course, that is the whole thing that causes, you know, is living with thought-based reality is the only, that is the only cause, the only source of someone, of people's uncertainty and their frustration and their ignorance. And so I always waited. I always pictured somebody later coming and then that kind of snide, helpful demeanor. Shake my hand and say, well, you seem to be so literate and well-read. You know, I hate to say this, but I feel like you're as a man as intelligent as you that you would like to be informed. Do you realize that for the word ignorant, you're saying ignorant? You did it several times. I just wanted to point out to you. I always, you know... And I'd picture it, and then I would picture, well, if somebody, then I would cut my little head and cut my ear and like, and? That is, for them to realize what they'd stepped into and what they did to come inform me that, you know, I was so ignorant that I just, that I dispronounced. That would have got them twice. See, I dis, <laughs> did I, did I dispronounce the word ignorant? <clears throat> But I entice them or the circumstances, life entice them to come up and be doubly ignorant. Well, of course, it never happened. I have found great use. I'll leave it. Since there's no good place to leave any of this. It's not possible. You, you can't get close to imagining how simple what's going on is. And I don't mean just what's going on in this great mystical struggle. That too. But this, the universe. Just what's going on. What do you take it to be? I guess most people say, well, life. Okay. You can't imagine. It's not possible to imagine. Imagination is not up to it. Believe me. You cannot imagine how simple it is. If you could, you'd be awake and you wouldn't be imagining Remember, the most important thing is a positive mental attitude. Well, unless you don't feel good. Then you have to go with what you got. But then when you feel better, uh, why not? Try, try and have a more upbeat attitude. Okay? And then maybe next time you can more spontaneously respond when I come in and say, Hey, how y'all feel? <laughs> but you should have had your response already that, well, when it comes to mechanical feelings, no more than is called for. Because that's the way life is. Life only calls upon you. All right. Physically. What life calls upon us to do is quite simple. Darn near boring. In fact, to many people, downright boring. Which explains much of the secondary, if not all of the secondary reality. But what life calls upon us to do is quite simple. It's quite obvious. You would, it's quite obvious and simple and direct. We'd say to six billion people on this planet, only a few of us think about it. Then you're in worse shape than the other six billion. <laughs> until you realize it. And of course you're not in worse shape. Because if you think you are, and you think I said that, then walk out, go on your stepladder, get up on the roof, look out the universe, and go, how can I be in worse shape than any other star or gaseous cloud or gaseous person? Where can anything hide? I feel like that. Well, this is all a great mystery. I've been unraveling for many years. 
look out and tell me, how can there be a mystery out there? Where is it hiding? Where can something hide in the universe? Maybe if you'll try it some way spatially. I know it doesn't fit. I keep just wishing some of you keep trying because I know some of you got the talent and the quirk of mind that it might hit you. Maybe it's hitting you more than I realize, but verbally to me, when you first hear it, I assume it, that no one gets it. To say, how can something hide? That's not really the question because, as I said, you can say, well, something could hide. Hell, it's a big universe. Yeah, but that's the point. Kind of breaks down, see. <laughs> but that is the point. Where can it hide? Because the universe, like there's no background to the universe. The universe is not on... <coughs> There's no setting. The universe is not like a, a diamond that has a setting. The universe is not placed on something else. You understand? Everybody knows that. Except then when they get into reality in life, they think otherwise. The mind does because of the fact that it believes that it's separate from the environment, from its surroundings. But the universe couldn't be more out there. That is reality. It is right out in the open. It can't be otherwise. It would have to be in a setting. The universe would have to be on a, on a lot somewhere at a movie studio or on a stage. Do you understand what I mean by setting? This universe would have to be placed in some setting for it to hide anything. If it's just it, which it is, I'm telling you, think about where can something hide? If it wanted to, it couldn't hide. That's just ridiculous. But then if I've misled you or got your view off, the, the thing is, you don't have to go outside. You don't have to get up on a ladder on the roof. It's inside your own head. That's not the way people start looking at it. But you believe there are mysteries, human mysteries. Your mind might say, I oh, screw all that stuff about looking at the universe. I'm not even sure what the hell that means. I know there's something I don't know. Such as, I, I can't understand why there's evil in the world. I can't understand why people don't get along. Or I can't understand why I can't control my mind. Whatever the damn question is, you're an idiot. You're a moron. No offense. <laughs> well, I was a bigger one than anybody, so I can say it and not be ashamed. Where can something be hiding from the mind? Everything that the mind thinks about, the mysteries, the mind made it all up. The mind made up the idea that there's a mystery. The mind made up the idea that there's a purpose to life. Now many people say, well, what I want to know is the purpose of life. Don't you want to, if you see it, don't you want to say, well, you moron, you imbecile. Where to hear it? Well. They had two intellectuals, theologians, with doctoral degrees, nice vocabulary. And I just happened to tune in. They were discussing something. And, the, and the, they went back and forth and uh, must have been a moderator. Anyway, somebody said, uh, or one of them said, even though we have deep, very deep and historic differences in our methods of worship, even though we're both Protestants or whatever, even though we're both of the Protestant, even though we're both Protestants, we have such a deep, there's such a, a deep divide between our particular form of worship and services. I know it seems perhaps that it's unbridgeable. And yet people with our intelligence in the 21st century, I think at least is now time for us to sit down and try to at least begin some bridge building to see what we have in common. And we all know how it sounds. It almost sounds like if you were an ordinary person, you think, well, finally, we're getting past the dark ages of killing people over religious beliefs. Because here it's not even different religions. It's just different sects within the religion. And they're talking about the way in which they worship. You know, whether they light six candles or seven candles, or whether they fast once a year or twice a year, whether they allow drums in the service. 
And they're discussing and looking bright-eyed like we're making progress. If we can sit down, and I know it seems insurmountable. Here's a whole world that the mind invented, and now they treat it like, well, I'm not sure that we can ever bridge these differences. As though It's like saying, well, I'm not sure we can overcome gravity. That's the way they treat it. I'm not sure that you can finally throw a rock in the air and it never come back down. But we're intelligent, decent people. I think the time has come for us to sit down and at least discuss the possibilities. Now, if you said that about defying the law of gravity, everybody on this planet, all the sane out of the 6B, would go, you people are idiots. Except nobody notices it if when they start talking about religion, politics, morality. What's true and what's not true. That is, once you see it, you think, well, we're all idiots. The whole world, is there such thing as a, a moron asylum? <laughs> they were all discussing and arguing and analyzing things that the human mind made up. <laughs> not life as it is. Although this is now part of life as it is, except for those who want to awaken, it's not life as it is for you, or it shouldn't be. Goodbye. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.